Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. I think the first place that we're going to stop is Psalm 34. So listen, this is going to be a little bit of a different message than, um, than a typical John Butler message. Um, we're not going to go to every scripture that I talk about because um, I'm going to talk about a lot of scriptures. Going to quote them, going to refer to them, uh, and if we read every scripture that we're going to that we're going to use today, we'd we'd be here till midnight. So, um, if you will, just sort of allow me to 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 speak these words into your life. If you need references, and I'll give some of the references, but if you need more information, more references, I'll be happy to provide those to you, okay? But we're only going to turn to a couple of places, and it's going to be in a few minutes, all right? But let's pray, because we're still going to be in the Word of God together today. Father, we just pray that your Spirit would uh, consume us right now, would uh, arrest our attention, would open our hearts to receive the truth of your Word, Lord, I pray that, um, that you would help us to be hearers and doers of your word. And Lord, that you would set us free and draw us close uh, as a result of the truth of your word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, today I'm going to finish up, or at least for now, finish up what was supposed to have been a standalone message three weeks ago that was called Guard Your Heart for the Holidays. Uh, it has apparently turned into a series uh, that today is the conclusion of a three-part series that now I'm calling Guard Your Heart. Um, the Lord just continued to pull things out, continued to, uh, to, to lay on my heart, to continue the conversation about the, uh, the, the hurts and the pains that we experience in our souls. So today I just want to, as sort of an introduction, just lay some, lay some foundational truths on you in case you haven't been here for all of the messages so that at least today makes sense. And then you can go back and fill in the gaps. If you have not listened to the previous two messages, I would encourage you to do that. I would even recommend that you go back to September of 2019 and listen to a series called Heart Attacks because that's really sort of where this all began for us. Um, so all of our messages are on YouTube. In case you didn't know that, they're all on YouTube for free. You can, you can see them every week. Um, and, and we also have our messages on podcasts. So on Apple and Google and Android platforms are all of the podcasts. So that's audio only. So I don't know how far back the podcasts go, but I do know there are several years worth of content on the YouTube channel. So you can overdose on Covenant Life on YouTube if you want to. So you can go back and listen to that. All right, so here's the foundational truth, number one, that we need to talk about, and it's this. What's happening on the inside of you determines what happens on the outside. What's happening on the inside of you determines, not just affects, determines what happens on the outside. Your inner man, or some people call it your heart, some people call it your soul, and the Bible sometimes uses all of those terms interchangeably, but that, whatever you want to call it, it's the seat of your feelings and your intellect. It's your mind, your will, 
and your emotions. It's your, it's your decision-making process. And the Bible says that that's the most important part of a person because it, it, it says it determines the course of your life. John, what does that mean? It means from your heart, Jesus said, the mouth speaks. From your heart, decisions are made. From your heart, beliefs, your belief systems are established. So everything that you are and everything that you do begins on the inside. So when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, you'll see that Jesus deals about what's going on on the heart, in the heart, on the inside, because he knows that what's happening in here is what's causing what happens outside. Now here's foundational truth number two. The enemy is actively trying to damage your soul. The, the enemy is actively trying. Listen, he, he's not just pleased if it happens, he's trying to cause it to happen in your life. That's why Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart above all else. Why? Because the enemy is attacking your heart. He is trying to harm you. That's why Jesus said he's out to steal and kill and destroy you. And that's how it happens. It's through your soul. The abuse that you've been through, the abandonment, the church hurt, the neglect, the grief, all of the pain that you've been through in your life is intentionally amplified by the devil as much as possible. So he doesn't just stab you, he twists the knife, right? He's doing everything he can actively to damage your soul. Here's foundational truth number three. Jesus didn't just come to save your soul, he came to heal it and restore it. He didn't just come to save your soul. He came to heal your soul and restore your soul. And if you need proof of that, then the first place to look is Luke chapter 4 as Jesus stood in the synagogue of his hometown of Nazareth and he declared from the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor and that's the salvation that he absolutely came to, to deliver. But if you continue to listen to what he says, he says also that he was anointed to set free those who have been oppressed. And the word oppressed literally means those who have been crushed by tragedy. So Jesus came not just to save our souls, but to heal our souls from the traumas and the tragedies and the trials of our lives. He said in, in the gospel of John, I am the good shepherd. And he leads us. He says, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. In Psalm 23, he references that in that, in that analogy of the good shepherd. And he says, I'm going to lead you to still, to still waters and to green pastures. Why? So I can restore your soul. He said in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For what? For your soul. Jesus was and is focused on healing the heart attacks that Satan has been perpetrating against us since the day we were born. Now, here's the fourth foundational truth and sort of the launching pad for today's message. Jesus left us three things to help our hurting hearts heal. And that's the title of this message today is help for your hurting heart. Last week was hope and healing for your hurting heart. Today is help for your hurting heart. One of the things that Jesus left for us, and we talked about it last week, is this right here, his word. He left us his word. He said in Ephesians chapter, chapter four, or uh, Ephesians chapter five, that his word is water for washing, 
It's water for washing, that it helps to wash away the memories. It helps to wash away the mental pictures that pain has created in our lives. His word is truth. It's a truth that has to replace the lies that the enemy has put into your mind through your pain. Because we, we found out last week that pain changes your brain. And it changes the way you think and your outlook on life. And you have to replace those lies with the truth of the word. But there are two other things that I want us to focus on uh, today that Jesus also left to help us heal from our hurts. Now, we talked about some of the pain that I went through um, with, when my parents divorced after 43 years of marriage. Um, that's not the only pain that I've ever been through in my life. So as I think back over the 51 years that I've been walking this earth, I think about the people that I've lost. I think about the church hurts that I've been through over and over again. The stresses of parenting and marriage. The mistreatment by employers. I think of the bullying that I went through when I was a kid because I was fat as a pig. And because we didn't have very much, so I was never wearing the right clothes. And I, I realize as I look back through the pain that I've been through in my life that it, it pales in comparison to what some of you have been through, to some of the pain of the abuse and the mistreatment and the losses that many of you have experienced in your life. And, and the point today is not to compare and try to scale up our pain and compare it to one another, but really to unite around it. It is the common denominator of humanity to recognize that every one of us has pain in our hearts, that every one of us has been hurt, and that that hurt and that pain still affects us to some degree in our lives, how we think and how we feel and the decisions that we make. And so uh, with our shared experiences of pain, with that as sort of the common foundation, I want us to talk today about the reality that pain creates in our lives. And I, and I want you just to listen to this as I describe some of the ways that pain will affect us in our lives and see if any of this lands with you, okay? Your mind, maybe, is in a constant state of upheaval. Like if you could just get control of this brain, your life would change. Maybe you are what the therapists call hypervigilant. And that means you are constantly on the lookout for things that might get out of hand so you can stop it early. Like you are paying attention to everything and everybody in the room because your experience has told you that you never know where the next danger might be coming from. You never know when the next crisis is going to happen. And so you're watching so you can get ahead of it. Maybe you're replaying your pain in your head. Maybe you're trying for the millionth time to come up with a scenario where your tragedy didn't have to happen. But every time you run it, it ends the same way. Or maybe the pain that you've been through it makes you constantly imagine worst case scenarios. I've heard people say people like this suffer from PTSD, pre-traumatic stress disorder. Like you traumatize yourself imagining everything that might go wrong. Please don't say amen. We'll have a support group after church. All right? You, you, but but you, when you imagine those things, you, you're so bound up with fear and anxiety. And what you desperately need in all of those mental scenarios, what you desperately need but can't seem to find is peace. Maybe your relationships are difficult 
because either you're too needy or you're too standoffish. You, your pain has caused you maybe to build walls around yourself because after you got up and you wiped the blood off your lip, maybe figuratively or maybe quite literally, you vowed to yourself, I'll never let anybody close enough to hurt me like that again. And now your proclamation has become your prison. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy that's been a whole lifetime in the making. And it all seemed to, to, all it seemed to do for you in your life is to keep real, true love just out of arm's reach. Maybe you're looking for a happiness that, that just, it just doesn't, you can't hold on to it for very long. And you've tried chemicals and you've tried relationships and you've tried experiences and you've tried money and you've tried adventures and you've tried church and you've tried not going to church. You've tried everything, but you can't find a, a, a joy. You can't find a happiness that lasts long enough to be worth the trouble. The happiness that you experience is fleeting and the joy that you need seems to be unreachable. Maybe you're just, can we say this in church? Maybe you're just mean to people. Y'all ever met mean people in church? Y'all, I can give you names and addresses. There are mean people in church. Maybe you're just mean to people because if you figure you can be rude enough, they won't, they, they'll leave you alone and they won't get close enough to discover what you fear the most, and that's somebody seeing your weakness and your pain. Maybe you're demanding and impatient, like you're that person at Longhorn. Like the steak's never right, and it's never fast enough, and you either got too much ranch dressing or not enough, right? You're just demanding, you're impatient, you want what you want right now, just like you want it because so much has been taken from you against your will and without your permission that you determine you're never going to let anybody do that to you again. And maybe you've given up on purity or any sense of morality a long time ago because it seems like right never wins. And so you're just rough. You're just rough in how you deal with people because you don't have the stomach for goodness and kindness and patience. And maybe you have trouble saying no to other people or even to yourself. To the people who need you or at least think they need you, you have to be at their beck and call. To whatever or whomever catches your eye, you have a hard time saying no. Because willpower or self-control is just not your strong suit. Now listen, I'm pretty certain that I've hit everybody in the room and everybody online. I know I've hit the guy in the pulpit because pain creates those situations in our lives and nobody is immune to pain. Even if you're a believer, sometimes the pain that you go through will make you revert back to the old self-protective ways that we develop over time because sometimes we're just too tired to do anything different. Sometimes we're just too exhausted to try anything else. Your heart is hurting, and many times you don't have the strength to do anything about it. The good news today is that there is help for your hurting heart. And it's, and it's found in the Word of God, and we also started talking about this last week, but your help is found in the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in, in John 14, he said, I'm going away. I'm going back to the Father, but I've asked the Father to send you the Holy Spirit to help you. And that's exactly what he did in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Jesus said the Holy Spirit was going to teach us everything that Jesus had said on the earth. And, and he said that he was going to lead us and guide us into all truth. And that has to include the truth that's living on the inside of us, the truth about ourselves. Now let's look at Psalm 34. You all had your finger in, in your Bible for like 20 minutes now. So Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is nigh. He's near unto those who are of a broken heart. And he saves those who have a contrite spirit. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. How is that? How is God near to the brokenhearted? Well, Jesus said, I'm going to send, the Father's going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he's just not going to be with you like I was. He's going to be in you. In you. How much nearer can you be than in? Right? That's how God is near to the brokenhearted. He's in those broken hearts through his Holy Spirit. Look at 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14. This is the benediction of this of this book, the last verse. And, and Paul said, may the grace of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. He gives us the Holy Spirit to have fellowship with us. What, what, does, that, what does that even mean? It means he's just, he's there. He's there all the time walking with us and talking with us and doing life with us. In every moment of every day, he is available to us. He's right there. You say, John, you seem really excited about that. And I, I guess that's kind of cool, like theologically, but what am I supposed to do with that? Like what, what does that mean that the Holy Spirit's in me? Well, let me put it to you this way. What would you do if Jesus walked around with you all the time? If like he was with you in every situation, in every experience, in every conversation, in every problem and difficulty, how would that change your life if Jesus was right there, like riding shotgun with you? Well, would you talk to him? Well, I would hope so. It gets really awkward when you don't. Would, would you ask him questions? Would you get his advice about how to handle things in your life? Would you ask him about your, tell him about your problems and ask him what to do? Would you reveal perhaps your deepest secrets to him? Would you find comfort in him? And I think the answer to that is yes to all of the above and so much more. If we knew that every day, no matter what we went through, Jesus was going to be right beside us. Well, listen to me. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. He is Jesus in us. He's there. So in a very literal sense, you do have Jesus with you every day. And, and, and do you know what he said he'd be? He said he would be our comforter. He will be our counselor. He's our counselor. So we have a divine therapist walking around inside of us all the time if you're a believer. It's, it's what he does. He listens and he speaks and he heals and he helps on our journey of healing. You remember all those things that we just described that pain 
creates in a person all that, that stress and that, uh, all the mental stuff that's going on and the, the heaviness and all of that. Well, look what happens when you walk in the spirit instead of walking in the pain. Galatians chapter 5, I want to show you verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, kindness, or, or, or meekness, temperance, which is self-control, against such there is no law. All the things that seem to have been taken from your life by your pain, the Holy Spirit gives it back to you. He redeems it. He restores those things into your life. Love, joy, peace, all of that stuff. All of that is produced when you start to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and his work in your life. You say, John, listen, that sounds great. I need some love and some joy and some peace and patience, all of that stuff. I don't know how to produce that. You're just frustrating me. Why tell me about it? I can't do that. Well, of course you can't do that. That's why it's not called the fruit of John. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. They're produced by the Spirit. They are the natural byproduct of a surrendered relationship to the Holy Spirit. Like you just get in relationship with him, you allow him, you don't, you don't block off any part of yourself. You don't, close any, you don't close and lock any doors. You let him have all of you and you listen to what he says and you do what he tells you to do and when you're just doing life with the Holy Spirit and before you know it, love and peace and joy just starts to emanate from you and it's not of you, it's of Spirit. The Pentecostal church has been in an upheaval for the last 25 years or so. It makes me feel really old to say that, but it's the truth. We've seen spiritual abuse and psychological manipulation be blamed on and done in the name of the Holy Spirit. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've experienced it. It's sickening. It's disheartening. It's discouraging. It turns people off because for some reason, people on the outside could, could smell it a mile away. The people on the inside were deceived. And I am glad that it is no longer a glaring part of the movement that we're a part of. But I'm afraid what happened is that we've swung too far to the other side now. Have you ever run off the road while you're driving? You ever like just fell off on the, on the shoulder of the road? It didn't really make that sound, but anyway, that was the best I could come up with. You run off on the road. What do you do? The first thing you do, especially for inexperienced drivers, you yank that steering wheel as hard as you can because you're scared to death. And what happens when you yank the steering wheel as hard as you can? You go all the way to the other side of the road, and now you're off the road on the other side. There are ditches on both sides of the road, y'all. So just because you ain't in the right-hand ditch don't mean the left-hand ditch is any better. And what an experienced driver does is just correct the course a little bit and get back in your lane. Well, the problem in, in, in too many Pentecostal churches is that there are, too, there are plenty of Pentecostal churches that still have the name, but in their practice, they've gone all the way to the other ditch. They don't even talk about the Holy Spirit anymore, much less operate in the gifts. They traded one ditch for another ditch. 
And, and it's not an all or nothing proposition. There's plenty of good road right here between the ditches if we can just get there. So I, I want to be clear today. This is a Pentecostal church. And it's a Pentecostal church, not because of the denomination that we affiliate with, but because the Bible that we believe in. This is a Pentecostal Bible. So, John, I, I don't, you know, I need to see in the Bible where it was the, the spirit filled churches and the non spirit filled. There was none of that division. This is, this is the truth, the Word of God. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in his fruit. We believe in his gifts. We believe in the way he lives and moves and operates inside the hearts of people. We believe, according to Romans, I think it's chapter 5, that every person who is, who is called uh, a Christian, every person who belongs to Jesus has the Spirit of Christ, and that's the Holy Spirit. We get that. But there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit that was spoken of by John the Baptist and that was spoken of by Jesus Christ himself. And you can't take that out of the word. It's a separate and distinct work of the Spirit. It's so important that in Acts chapter 8, the apostles sent Peter and John to a, the city of Samaria to make sure that those people who were being saved and baptized in water were also being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's in the book. It was so important that in Acts chapter 19, when Paul encountered people that were identified by the word of God as disciples of Jesus, that he felt it necessary to ask them if they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they said, what Holy Spirit? And so Paul made sure they understood what he was talking about. Listen, I was born to Pentecostal parents, but they raised me in a, little, in, a, in a little Baptist church about a mile from our house. I know that lots of you have questions. When we went back to a Pentecostal church, I was scared to death. Scared to death. Um, and in those days, like for, with good reason, but I, I had lots of questions. I know lots of you have questions. I know you have questions about the Holy Spirit. You have questions about the excesses that maybe you experience, the things that I spoke about. Some of you may just not understand. Maybe you're like the, the disciples in Acts 19, and you're like, what Holy Spirit? I haven't even been told about a Holy Spirit. Some of you have been victims of people, and I use that term very intentionally. You've been victims of, of abuse by people who claim to preach that gospel. I want you to hear me very clearly today. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is the most healing thing that, you will, that will ever happen to you. And if the devil can keep you in doubt or in confusion or in fear of the Holy Spirit, then he can keep you bound and broken and in pain. And that's exactly, that's exactly what he wants to do. Listen, the problem is we've seen so much fake We've just seen so much of it in person and on TV. People always ask me, did, did you catch TBN the other day? No, I did not catch TBN the other day. <laughs> I like for real didn't catch TBN on purpose. All right. There's just so much of the manufactured manifestations that people don't want anything to do with it anymore. And there's a part of me that identified with that for a long time. But I want you to hear me today. 
Don't deny the existence of the genuine just because you've experienced the counterfeit. As a matter of fact, the existence of the counterfeit should confirm the value of the genuine article. Here's a question, not a trick question. Y'all ever gotten a counterfeit nickel? Probably not. Why? Because the nickels aren't worth enough to bother with counterfeiting. It would probably cost you more than five cents to manufacture a counterfeit nickel. But 20s and 50s and 100s counterfeit it all the time. Why? Because of their value. Listen, if the devil goes to the trouble of counterfeiting or perverting the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, it's because he knows how valuable the Holy Spirit is. And he wants you to doubt and be in confusion and fear. The fruit of the Spirit is what you need to counteract the painful fruit of the flesh that's in your life. It's, it's praying in the Spirit is what Jude and 1 Corinthians and Romans and Ephesians commands us to do in light of the spiritual warfare that Satan is waging on our lives. The, you, I, a lot of people say, John, I'm just, it's just me and my Bible. I'm just going to stick to this Bible right here and I'm not going to worry about all that Holy Spirit stuff. You can't even understand this Bible without the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need his revelation to unlock this word for you so that you can start to reprogram your traumatized brain. You, you may not know everything there is to know about the Holy Spirit. Nobody does. But I can tell you this from personal experience. You need to surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. You need to surrender to him like your life depends on it because it very well might. You need the counselor working in your life in every area. No locked doors, no, nothing, no, no walls built, nothing held back, or you need him ordering your steps. How are you even going to know how to find healing? That's what the Holy Spirit does. He orders your steps. He reveals truth, and he loves on you through the process. He, he is not just putting up with you. You know, there are people in our lives that we don't really like that much, that we just kind of endure. Oh, y'all ain't going to admit that in church, are you? I know you, mm, there are some people that you just have to kind of endure. Do you know that God doesn't feel that way about any of you? Or anybody else for that matter. He, you're not a burden to God. You're not on God's nerves. He's not just enduring you. He loves you. You don't have to guard your heart from God. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to the earth to die for you, and then he sent the Holy Spirit to the earth to live in you. Jesus never imagined a church that wasn't empowered by his Spirit to be healthy, to be holy, to be healed. The Holy Spirit is help for your hurting heart. As a matter of fact, one of the Greek words for the whole, that is used of the Holy Spirit is the helper. He's the helper. He will help your hurting heart. And here's the last thing, and it's connected to this. But the last thing, so Jesus left us three things. He left us the word of God, which is a revelation of himself, 
uh, it's a roadmap to relationship with Jesus. He left us the Holy Spirit, and he also left us spirit-led people. Spirit-led people. If being afraid of uh, or shunning the work of the Holy Spirit in, in their lives is the first obstacle, then I think the second biggest obstacle to healing in the people of God is an unwillingness to share their pain with anybody else. I have met people in the church that are closed up. I mean, they are like sealed, like barrels of hazardous waste. Like you ain't getting in there at all. And, and they say things like, well, listen, me and, me and the Holy Spirit, we got this worked out. I'm, me and the Holy Spirit are working this out. And, and you know what? I, I'm, I, praise God. I, I'm glad that they're at least talking to him about it. But you know what? The same Holy Spirit who works in you and who works for you and is speaking to you also works in and speaks to and speaks through other people. And in 1 Corinthians 12, he outlines nine gifts of the Spirit. Nine gifts the Holy Spirit uses for one purpose and he states the purpose in 1 Corinthians 12. That is to build people up, to edify the church. And there are other gifts in other parts of the scripture that the Holy Spirit operates. So when you cut yourself off from, from other people in your life, and especially when you cut other people out of the pain that you've experienced in your life, then you're cutting off one of the major avenues that the Holy Spirit uses to minister and bring healing to you. Spiritual gifts are not just for church services. He did not give us spiritual gifts in the church just so that our services would be less boring. They are for the benefit of the body to build people up, to, to help people when they're hurting. So when you're hurting, the Holy Spirit can speak to you through somebody else right into your heart. It's happened to me over and over again. A word in season. And I'm not talking about a horoscope kind of word. Like, oh, you're going to be blessed and highly favored. That's real generic, y'all. That can pretty much apply to just about anything and anybody at any time. But a word in season is the right thing at the right time in the right way, right? That is so specific and so on the nose that it could not have happened any other way. Maybe it's a word of prophecy that brings insight into your pain. Maybe it's one of the gifts of healings. Because if you look in 1 Corinthians 12, that gift is plural. The gift of healings. So maybe it's one of those gifts that's being used to help you heal. Maybe it's a word of exhortation to just encourage you to keep going on your journey. Maybe it's a person with a gift of intercession who prays for you in the right way at the right time. Maybe it's a word of knowledge to help you identify the source of pain. Because sometimes we have pain in our hearts and we don't even know where it came from. It takes the Holy Spirit to bring down the walls so healing can flow. Here's the problem with walls is that they, are not, they don't discriminate against positive or negative influences. When you're inside of a wall, you are cut off from everything. Are you protected from the negative? Absolutely. But are you also protected from the positive things? Yes, you are. So you become a prisoner in your own self-protective cocoon. And it takes the Holy Spirit to bring those walls down so that healing can flow. And one of the ways that he chooses to heal people is by allowing the people in the body to minister to the body. Why would he do that? Why can't he just tell me 
Well, like ring it out from, the, from, from, from above, a voice from above. That's why can't he do that? Well, he does. But he also speaks through people because Christianity is a team sport. You don't, you don't do it by yourself. It's always in the context of community. One of the goals of healing is for you to reunify with the body of Christ so that together we can rise up. Every joint supplied, every need met, every, every part of the body healed and made whole so that together we can rise and accomplish the, the, the purposes of the kingdom and serve the king. So listen, I'm not saying that you call a press conference and that you announce to the world every little thing that you've been through. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying you go live on your favorite social media platform and reveal your deepest, darkest secrets. That's not going to end well. I'm simply saying that you open yourself up to another trusted, spiritually mature brother or sister. And you might be surprised what happens. What you might find is that you are not alone in your struggle that other people have been through what you've been through. What you might find is that because of what they've been through, you can receive healing as well. And what you also might be surprised to discover is that somebody else has been waiting on you so that they could have the courage to get healed as well. Because the bottom line of Christianity, if, if there's a tagline of Christianity, it might be this, it's not always about you. And so when we refuse to be healed, we may also be preventing someone else's healing. What was it that Jesus said to the Pharisees? He said, you won't go through the door and you won't get out of the stinking way so somebody else can too. You're not getting saved. You're making sure nobody else is getting saved either. And that frustrated Jesus to no end. We don't need to frustrate him because we won't go through the door of healing so that other people can follow us through. Open, open up your heart today to the word of God, and to the spirit of God, whether it's a direct revelation to you or whether he speaks through somebody else. Open up your heart. There is help for your hurting heart. Don't let the enemy win. Don't let him win. Receive the help that you need today to heal. Now I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to get ready to close. So listen, if you came up in those times when, um, when there was so much going on in, in Pentecostal churches, this is the part of the service that made you nervous because, you know, they were always going to ramp, ramp that music up and they're going to create some sort of atmosphere where, where you were going to be compelled to come. Listen. There's no reason to create an emotional experience if there's no spiritual reality to support it. The last thing you need is another emotional experience. You need a spiritual truth to stand on. And that's what we're talking about today. I would simply encourage you today to surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. John, what does that look like? It, it, it works the same as every other spiritual gift, as every other thing in the kingdom of God. You re it always comes through repentance. So, so if you need to repent for grieving the Holy Spirit, you need to repent for turning your back or ignoring Him, do that. 
And then what do you do? You request. You repent, then you request. You just say, I, I, I want the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to open myself up to the work of the Spirit in my life. And then what do you do? You just receive it. You receive it. You start listening. You start obeying. You start being aware of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's no formula. There's no 18 steps. Just open yourself up and do what the Lord tells you to do. He's been baptizing people in the Holy Spirit for 2,000 years. He does not need me to tell him how to do it. Just surrender your life to the work of the Holy Spirit and let him change you and let him heal you. We're going to pray. If you'd like to come and pray, then please do. If you uh, want to be left by yourself, then just come and kneel somewhere and we'll leave you alone. If you want us to pray with you, if you'll remain standing, that'll be my cue to come and pray with you. Okay? That's how we're going to work this. But we're going to pray together. We'll sing one last song together. We'll be dismissed in just a minute. All right, Father? Lord, I confess, I repent of the times in my life that I've pushed you away, the times that I've grieved the Holy Spirit, the times that I've ignored what it is that you're trying to say and do. Lord, I repent. And I ask that you would forgive me. Lord, I am, I am requesting now that you would baptize me in your spirit afresh and anew, over and over again. Lord, I pray that you would just help me today to receive the gift of your spirit. Lord, that I would be aware of what you're saying and doing in my life. And Lord, that I would carry the fruit of your spirit to a world that's dying of hunger and thirst. Lord, I just pray that you would draw every one of us to yourself today and that we would surrender ourselves to your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.